Hi, my name is Barb Nangle. I'm the founder of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting. I want to welcome you to my podcast, Fragmented to Whole, Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery. This is episode 68, How to Stop Enabling Other People's Dysfunctional Behavior. When I was growing up, the word codependence wasn't around and what we talked about was enabling. I've experienced enabling from both ends for a very long time. I didn't see it for what it was when I was doing it, but I for sure saw what it was when other people were doing it around me. I'm going to start by telling you a couple of quick stories about my own life. Then I'll talk about what enabling is and how to stop. So here's a story from my adolescence. One night when I was, I think, 14, a whole group of us went to the movies and somebody brought some liquor and there was a couple, a boy and a girl, who got so drunk that they passed out and she vomited all over both of them. I brought her home to get her cleaned up and had her stay overnight at my house because as a group, we kind of figured her parents would probably murder her if we brought her home passed out drunk and covered with vomit. And we thought that the consequences of her coming home clean and sober the next day, having not called, were probably less. So I brought her to my house, took her clothes off, did her laundry. And this is at like after midnight. And also, P.S., I'd literally never done laundry before that in my life. I brought her into the bathroom and did the best I could to wash the vomit out of her hair while she was passed out. And my mom woke up and yelled from her room, what are you doing? And I said, Terry's sleeping over and she's taking a shower. And my mom was like, at this hour, why? And I said, because she's dirty, which is pretty laughable right now. The next day after she left, my mom asked me if I had been drinking last night. And I said, no. And she was like, okay, was anybody else with you drinking? And I was like, yeah. And then she asked me if I smoked weed. And I told her I did. Um, I hadn't actually started drinking alcohol then. I, I didn't start until I was 16, but I had been smoking weed since the first week of high school. And anyway, then she asked me if my older brother smoked weed. And I remember very specifically saying to her, do you want me to tell you the truth or do you want me to lie to you? And she said, I want the truth. And I said, yeah, he does. Now, it didn't even occur to me to say you should ask him. So here's where the enabling comes in. What she said to me after this conversation is, I'd rather have you guys getting high here in my home where I know where you are than out in the streets. Now, she did this because she thought she was being helpful. But what she did was give us permission to start smoking weed in the rec room in our basement, which eventually turned into what we called the opium den for years. Kids would come over to our house and party and my mom let it happen. Eventually, over time, we would go on to say that they wrote the book, The Enabler, about our mom. Now, years later, um, after my brother got into a drunk driving accident when he was 24, he went into rehab and got sober. um, And he would tell stories about my mom. And one of the things he said repeatedly was this. I could have come home with a sack full of human heads and mom would have made it okay. 
Now, I eventually said, listen, I cannot hear you say that anymore. Not only is it absolutely horrifying, but it sounds to me like you're blaming mom for your drinking. Yeah, she made it easier for you, but she didn't pour the liquor down your throat. But my point is that he was making it a very stark example of her enabling whatever it is he wanted to do. So I think that you get the idea that I grew up with an an enabler. And years later, surprise, surprise, I became an enabler myself. But what I did was often more subtle than what my mom did. So if you have been listening to my podcast since the beginning, you know that the way that I got into recovery was that I befriended a homeless man named Dan, who I met through a project serving homeless people from my church. And I invited him to stay at my home overnight at my home one night, and he did. And then another time and another time. And then four months later, he was practically living with me. And I was enabling to not reap the consequences of his homelessness by allowing him a place to stay. He had a couch with clean linens on it. He could take a shower. I allowed him to eat my food. I drove him places. I bought him cigarettes. I made his life a lot easier. I remember one time talking to him and saying something about how hard his life was. And he was like, are you fucking kidding me? I've got it easy. Your life is hard. I don't have to do anything. I have no responsibility at all. And at first I thought that was crazy. Like he lives out in the elements. He's got no stability. He's got no security. He doesn't know where his food's coming from. But the more I thought about it, I realized he really doesn't have any responsibility. He lives off the grid and he doesn't ever have to do anything if he doesn't want to. If he doesn't want to do anything, he just doesn't do it. And that was a huge wake up call for me. Now, I've shared all of this so that you know, I get it. I get what it's like to enable others. I also get what it's like to be enabled. But I also know that it's possible to stop. I am living proof. So what is enabling exactly? It's when you make it easier for people who are addicted or at least highly dysfunctional to continue their addiction or their dysfunctional behavior without reaping the consequences. That is, you buffer them from the consequences of their own shitty actions. Me bringing Terry home, washing her clothes and her hair, was protecting her from the consequences of her behavior. That was me enabling her. My mom allowing us to drink and do drugs in her home severely lessened the likelihood of us getting caught by the cops, and that was enabling behavior. Your enabling behavior might look something like this. If your partner is an alcoholic and they drink and they vomit all over themselves and all over the floor, but they wake up in the morning and they're clean and their clothes are clean and their room is clean and all they have is a hangover for consequences, they don't have to deal with any of the actual physical mess. You're enabling them because you're making it easier for them to not face the shitty consequences of their drunken behavior. If they don't make it into work because they're severely hungover and you call the boss and say, he's really sick, you're buffering them from the consequences of their behavior. 
because they got the call in. They didn't just not show up or they didn't come in reeking of alcohol or hungover. They're not facing the natural consequences of their behavior. Now, think about children. The best way to teach lessons to children is to allow them to have the natural consequences of their actions. Punishment is often not necessary when a child reaps the natural consequences of their behavior. So here's an example. Let's say your child comes to you at 8.30 p.m. on a school night saying, I have a paper due tomorrow. Now, if you let them take charge of handling the situation without rescuing them, maybe they'll stay up all night working on the paper, or maybe they won't and they'll get a zero on the paper. But they're the one who receives the consequences, not you. They're the one who's gonna go to school exhausted because of lack of sleep, or who's going to have to deal with getting a zero. If you rescue them and they don't have these consequences, not only do they not receive the natural consequences of their behavior, you've buffered them by exhausting yourself and doing things for them. And they also learn they don't have to depend on themselves, that They don't have to face the negative consequences because mom or dad will come to the rescue, which doesn't prepare them for life. So now that I've made the case that enabling is not good, how do we stop? How do we stop enabling? The trick is to allow people to have the consequences of their own behavior. I'm a recovering enabler, a recovering codependent. And I don't engage in enabling behavior any longer. I keep the focus on myself and I don't worry about what other people are doing. If they have a problem or an addiction, I only help if I've been asked to help and there's a limit on the kinds of help I provide, on the amount of help I provide. One very strict rule I have is that I'm not going to work harder on your problem than you are working on your problem. What I tell people in recovery is this. I am invested in your recovery, but I'm not going to be more invested in your recovery than you are. If you're like me and have a lifelong pattern of enabling, you're going to have to work on yourself for a change. So rather than trying to fix and rescue other people, you're going to start pointing your energy at yourself. And you're going to have to change your belief that it's your job to protect other people, to rescue other people, or your belief and or your belief that they can't manage without you. It may mean they can't have a life of ease without you, but they can manage without you. Now, this may mean that you need to go to a 12-step program such as Al-Anon, Naranon, CODA, ACA. If you're extremely codependent, you may need to go to rehab for that. You might need the benefit of therapy or group therapy. It really rests on you allowing people to have the consequences of their own behavior. And one of the things that I've learned in recovery, both in terms of my addiction and my codependence, which is simply another kind of addiction, it's like addiction to people, is that sometimes we have to act as if. 
we have to act our way into right thinking. Since thinking about the problem clearly doesn't work, even if you don't believe that you can stop helping someone, you just do the new non-enabling behaviors anyway, and eventually your thinking will come along and it will become easier and easier and easier. You'll start to act your way into right thinking. If you're going to do that, it's exceedingly helpful to have support while doing that. That could either be from fellows in recovery, from a therapist, or a group, um, a group therapy group, or you could have a really close friend who's supportive of you changing your ways. But supportive others are extremely helpful, helpful when trying to change deeply entrenched patterns of behavior. When you act your way into right thinking regarding enabling, you'll start to think about yourself and what you want and what you need rather than what the other person wants or need needs. Now, if you're having a hard time with this concept of acting as if, listen to episode 25, which is about acting as if that might be helpful to you. And you might also find my episode 27, which is on getting out of enmeshment helpful too. Now, if you think this has been helpful and you know somebody who has difficulty with enabling, please share this episode with them. And also don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Higher Power Coaching. I hope that this has been helpful to you in understanding what enabling is and how to stop. Namaste, my friends. That's it for today. If you like what you've heard here, then you just might be interested in private coaching with me. If that sounds like you, head on over to my website, which is higherpowercoachingandconsulting.com and click on the contact menu. I'd be happy to schedule a consultation with you to help you make lasting changes in your life like I've made deep lasting changes in my life. My ideal client is someone who is ripe for change, but I'll coach anyone who wants to be happy, joyous, and free. So if that's you, shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe so you can be sure to get future episodes of my podcast. Thanks again.